You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Today, as we continue in this series called Real Marriage, we're dealing with the topic of the respectful wife. What's up? Hey, in, in, the, in the first service, he said amen to that, Regina. I thought I'd let you know. He's being awful quiet right now after I brought up the topic. So I thought, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got you back for you, man. <laughs> uh, he did it jokingly, though, okay? But that's the topic today, so uh, I'm, I'm going to designate someone to go out and crank my motorcycle just a few moments before I finish so I can escape. Uh, you know, before you ladies come after me. And, uh, you know, since I'm making, you know, part of the crowd uh, mad today anyway with this topic, I might as well make some of the rest of the crowd, you know, a, a little bit upset with me too. And I, I don't know, did, y'all, did you guys notice that the sky was a little bit more Carolina blue today? <laughs> See, I thought I'd get the rest of the, I thought I'd get the rest of the crowd here since I'm getting the ladies. I thought I'd get all the Duke fans mad at me uh, also. <clears throat> the... Uh, the topic today, this is partly the series we're doing is, is based upon a, uh, a book that Mark Driscoll and his wife Grace, he's the pastor at uh, Mars Hill Church uh, out in Seattle, uh, Washington, uh, and they put together the book. In chapter 4, I, I want you ladies to understand before I kind of get into it, uh, his wife Grace is the one that wrote the book. So this comes from a lady's perspective. Uh, and I'm using some of her stuff in it because we're doing this small group study also uh, called Real Marriage. So I wanted you to understand that it wasn't, you know, just some guy's perspective. And by the way, it's based upon the Scripture, and that's what matters anyway, amen? You know, that we become obedient to the Scripture, whether it's the man or, you know, the husband or the wife. Uh, we just need to apply the Scripture to our lives and what the Scripture uh, has to say to us. Having said that, before we uh, go kind of some other areas in, in the message, I want you ladies to understand how powerful you are, because you may not recognize that sometimes. But I think you are in a very powerful position if you are married. Uh, and because of the reason I say that is this, whether you recognize it or not, the average man, I'm saying the average man, that doesn't mean everybody, but the average man probably, as far as humanly speaking, probably cares more about what you think about him than anybody else. Is that right, guys, if you be honest? You care more about what your wife thinks, humanly speaking, not, you know, her before God. But that puts you in a powerful position. And as you think about this topic of being a respectful wife, by, by you trying to apply Scripture to your life and, and be a respectful wife, you model for the husband, for us guys, how we need to be more respectful ourselves. And to be honest with you, you've only got a couple of choices. You, you can try and change your, your husband by, by nagging and being critical and pointing out all of his faults, which probably is not going to make him more respectful, or you can help change him by you being respectful yourself. And him seeing a, a model of that of how he needs to change in his own life. In Ephesians 5, we find this uh, verse, and we'll kind of read it, depart from it, and come back to it near the end of the message. 
The Bible says, let the wife see that she, help me out ladies, what does it say? That she respects her husband. Now the reason I put the stress on her husband is because if if you're just respecting some other husband, if you're all the time wishing that your husband was like this other guy, like some other husband that some other lady has, then to be honest with you, that's a form of coveting, which the Bible says we're not to covet, right? So what you need to do is, is have the perspective that, that you have respect for your own husband. Grace uh, Drisco in, in her book gives us a, kind of a working definition of the word respect. And she wrote these words, respect is to notice, regard, honor, prefer, defer to. That's probably where the problem comes in a lot of times, defer to. Encourage, love, and admire. It's a pretty good definition of what respect means. And while the topic today is the respectful wife, guys, this is a two-way street. We need to be respectful toward them ourselves. The Bible tells us before we read this that we're to love our wives like we love ourselves. It tells us earlier in that chapter we're to love our wives like Christ loved the church. I would submit to you that's us hugely being respected if we would love our wives like Christ loved the church. And ladies, just as you have an inbuilt need to be loved, I said this a couple of weeks ago, because of the way God wired you, he, he said right before that, husbands love your wives as you love yourself. The God who made you understands that you have this inbuilt need to be valued and fill it by understanding your husband loves you. In a similar way, God wired the men to where we need to feel respected. The God that made us said that in this verse. So it kind of gives us a goal for each other. Guys, we need to love our wives. And, and ladies, it's not that the guys don't want love. We need love too. But we need to feel respected. And God said that. So everything else that I say today, you need to understand. I'm just kind of carrying the mail. You know, God wrote it. You know, don't chase me off, you know, too much. I don't care if the Duke fans got mad at me. I don't want all the ladies mad at me. <laughs> but we're going to look at this topic of respectful wife in a negative view to start with, and then a positive view. So to start with, we're going to look at some signs of a disrespectful wife. What it looks like to be a disrespectful wife, and, and then secondly... We're going to look at some steps that you can take toward being a respectful wife. So to begin with, your first point, if you're filling in the blanks right there, some signs of a disrespectful wife. Now let me stop for a minute before I kind of jump into that, because you need to understand something, and the guys need to understand it also. Being disagreeable does not necessarily mean disrespectful. Us guys, whether we like to admit it or not, need sometimes for our wives to be disagreeable. <laughs> I need it in my life because it's kept me out of some trouble. You understand? It's okay to be disagreeable if we're wrong. Being disagreeable is not disrespectful unless you're disagreeable in a disrespectful way. So I want to kind of clarify that so you wouldn't get those two things intermingled. So let's look at, at two types, two kinds of disrespectful wives. And the first one might surprise you a little bit 
Because the first one I'm going to suggest to you is the type of wife, the type of woman who is silent and compliant. And that can be a form of disrespect. Now, all the guys are shocked right now because they're thinking, man, I wish my wife was silent sometimes. And I wish my wife was compliant sometimes. So you probably wish I would shut up right now, but that's not what I'm talking about. And ladies, it may come as a shock to you that I'm talking about how it can be disrespectful to be silent and compliant. What I mean by that is this. If you are overly silent, if you are too compliant to the degree that you are placing your husband before God, that is a form of disrespect because you're disrespecting God. God comes first, ladies. Then your husband. Guys, God, your relationship with God comes first. We'd already established that in this study because the very first relationship that Adam had was with God. And then God put him to sleep. And the very first relationship that Eve had was with God because Adam's still over here asleep, healing from God, taking the rib out. That's our first most important relationship. And if we get that mixed up and confused and and out of kilter, it messes up a lot of stuff. So for you as a woman to be too silent and too compliant, in other words, you're willing to go along with everything that the husband is saying, no matter how unbiblical it is, no matter how sinful and wrong it is, if you're being compliant to the husband in that way and you're placing his will higher than God's will, then that is you being disrespectful to God. And to be honest with you, it's also you in the long run being disrespectful to your husband because you're failing to help him be all that God wants him to be. I'm afraid a lot of times that happens because women will read passages like uh, in Colossians chapter 3 and 1 Peter 3 and Ephesians 5 that we're using a lot in this sermon series and in 1 Corinthians 7 and they'll read, wives submit to your husbands, or talk, you know, scriptures about the woman uh, being silent and things like that. And sometimes wives will take that and they'll read it like, well, that means he makes all the decisions. That means he thinks through all the issues. That means he's the boss, and I'm just supposed to shut up and do what I'm told. But on the day that I dealt with the men two weeks ago, If you'll remember, that is not what that scripture means. You being submissive to your husband does not mean that he's the total boss and you don't ever say anything. The the, the husband being the head really means this. It means he's accountable and responsible before God. He's to lead in the right way. He's to be scriptural in the way that he leads his family in the decisions that he makes. It doesn't mean that he's some demagogue or some king that sits upon his throne with a remote control and dictates out to you everything that's to take place. It means that he has responsibility placed upon him by an almighty God. It's not telling you that you should never ever say anything or you don't have any input. That is not what it means to be submissive. But I'm afraid a lot of ladies view it like that because of fear. Look at what Proverbs tells us about, about fear. The fear of man lays a snare. Now, I understand the Bible doesn't say, wife, look at this. But like I've said all through this series, we should not take scriptures and say, well, that don't apply to my wife, that don't apply to my husband, because it did not say husband or wife. If it's a scriptural principle, we ought to use it in all forms of our life and relationships. So the fear of man lays a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. 
See, what you need to do is put God first in your life, trust in Him, follow His will for your life, and that brings safety to your life. But a lot of wives, I'm afraid, a lot of women respond in the wrong ways because they're, they're fearful of how their husband might respond. They're, they're, they're afraid of how he may act if they say something. So it kind of lays a snare for their life to where they're being overly silent and overly compliant. And by doing so, they're dishonoring God. Now guys, here's a little side message for us. Our wives, are you listening good, guys? Our wives should never, ever, ever have to fear us. As far as being afraid of us. Because you see, fear goes deeper than just being afraid of some type of physical or emotional abuse. Fear also has almost a worship aspect attached to it. In, in the book, Grace quotes this, uh, this Christian writer and, and counselor, this psychologist. I want you to look at some things he says here. His name's Ed Welch. He's a biblical counselor, author, and he, he writes these words. Fear in the biblical sense includes being afraid of someone. That's what I just talked about. But it also extends to holding someone in awe. Holding someone in awe is a form of worship. When we're told to fear God in the Bible, it really means we're holding God in awe. Being controlled or mastered by people. In other words, I just do what he says would be the mindset of, of the woman. Worshiping other people, putting your trust in people, or needing people. He's talking about putting people, even your husband, before God. The, the fear of man can be summarized in this way. Ed Welsh goes on to, to say this. We replace God with people. Instead of a biblically guided fear of the Lord, we fear others. Some people call that people-pleasing. A buzzword in our day and time has been codependency. If it's in a marriage relationship in an unhealthy way and you're just going along with enabling your husband to do things that are not approved by God for him to do, then that would be called enabling in an unhealthy marriage relationship. You see, there's a, there's a difference between being a helper and submitting to him and enabling him. Look at, the, look at the difference. Look at the next slide. The difference between submission or submitting and enabling. Submitting, I think, is this. Submitting is, is this scenario. He, your husband, is submitting to the Lord. So you, as the wife, you're submitting to him and helping him to honor the Lord. That's a, a biblical idea, I think, of submission. He's submitting to God. So you have an open door to be able to submit to him and help him to be even more submissive to God and honor God more in his life. Enabling, on the other hand, is this. Enabling is not submitting to the Lord. And what you're doing is this. You're saying, I'm still helping him to do the things that are dishonoring to the Lord. You're helping him do things that are against God's will. That's enabling him. And I want you to get the big picture of this because I need to move on and cover some other stuff. But the big picture of this is this. If you are too silent and too compliant, it is a form of disrespect, as I said earlier, because you're being disrespectful to God. And ultimately, you're being disrespectful to your husband because you're failing to be the helper God wants you to be to help him to be all God wants him to be. Does that make sense? And if your husband is not a Christian... And you're just going along and you're being silent and compliant to everything that he wants to have in his life that's wrong and against God's will. Regrettably, you might be enabling him to spend eternity without Jesus. So that's the first type of disrespectful wife. 
You might not have thought we'd talk about that one. Silent and compliant. Because a lot of you guys are like, oh, that's respectful. No, it's not. If they're putting God's will second to your will. So the, the second type of, of woman or wife that's, that's disrespectful is seen in this. Not being silent and compliant, but it's the exact opposite. Loud and contentious. I did that loud on purpose because sometimes people think by increasing the volume that wins the argument. That settles things if you just get louder. In being contentious. See, the woman that we're talking about here doesn't have any problem with being overly silent or overly compliant because she's never either of those. Instead, she's, she's always loud and always argumentative and, and always, you know, contentious. And that's a form of disrespect. Look at Proverbs 12 and verse 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Another way to put that for you to ask yourself a question, ladies, might be this. Am I a crown to my husband or am I like a cancer in his life? Because you can be a crown in his life to where your husband is just so proud and so glad. Or you can come across like a cancer to where it's like his bones are rotten and he just doesn't even like being around you because of what's taking place. The Bible talks, and we're going to look at some verses here. The Bible says some things about the type of woman who would bring like cancer in the bones of her husband. Chapter 9 and verse 13 of Proverbs. By the way, you guys remember who God used to write Proverbs? Anybody remember? Solomon. I think I remember Solomon having a bunch of wives and concubines, don't you? So maybe the Holy Spirit used him, you know, in really practical experience here. Because of some things that's written. And in chapter 9, verse 13, it says, The woman folly is loud. She's seductive and, and knows nothing. You've seen a person like that before, and it's not just the ladies, but a lot of times it is the ladies. A lady who's just loud, she's all the time talking, all the time gossiping. She knows everything about everybody, but she really doesn't know anything truly because she never stops and she's always talking instead of really listening. And she's just trying to, to win out by being loud, trying to win an argument by, by being loud. That's a form of disrespect. But it's also disrespectful to be seductive. It says she's seductive and knows nothing. Ladies, one of the, one of the worst ways that you can be disrespectful to your husband is for you to be flirtatious with somebody that's not your husband, some other man. That is hugely disrespectful to your husband and disrespectful to God. For you to be flirting with someone you're not married to. That guy at the office that you think is cute. That guy at the office that you think maybe, I wish my husband was a little bit more like him. It's disrespectful for you to, for you to do that. Proverbs chapter 21. I'm sorry, ladies, I didn't write this. It doesn't get any better, but it's in the Bible. It's better to live in a corner of the housetop than a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. See, another way a wife can be disrespectful is just to quarrel all the time. 
I mean, every, every time there's any issue brought up or any, you know, anything you're thinking about doing, if, if the answer is always no, 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 you're, you know, you're causing your, your husband to almost be in a, in a war zone where he's playing like a soldier before he goes to ask you about anything because he thinks it's just going to be a battle. The, the Bible says it's, it's better to live in the corner of the housetop. Ladies, if you're quarreling all the time and all of a sudden you start wondering where your husband has gone to, this verse tells you. He's gone out in the garage. He's got all of his camping stuff in his sleeping bag. And he went and got the extension ladder. And he's gone up on the roof and he's yanked the ladder up so you don't know where he's at. And he's up on his roof in his sleeping bag with his camping supplies experiencing and worship God in silence for the first time in his life. That, that verse is telling us that that's the way a guy may react if you're, if you're quarreling all the time. That's why he might not come home from work as quick as you think he should. Why he might go out and drink with the buddies before he comes home. That's why he bought one season pass instead of two season passes to the game. He finds a way to live apart from you because he's tired of all the quarreling until eventually he may live apart from you completely and totally because of being quarrelsome. Proverbs twenty-seven fifteen: A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. Have y'all ever been trying to sleep at night and you hear something dripping? Maybe it's a shower dripping, you know, in the, in the master bath or something like that. It's happened to me before. You, you're trying to get to sleep, and you don't think it's major. It's just a little drip of water, but you get focused on it, and that's all you can hear. Drip, 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 drip. And you go in there, and you try and get it to turn off, and it doesn't work, and you go back to your bed, and you're trying to put pillows over your head and everything else so you can go to sleep. It's just a little drop of water, but that's all you're hearing. Drip, 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 drip. And ladies, if all you do is argue all the time, that's the way your husband feels. Drip, 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 drip. You know that's a form of torture? I mean, honestly, they, they, they will tie you know, prisoners up sometimes in time and put a bucket of water over them with a hole in it where it drips a little bit and so position their head that the water hits here. And you're thinking, that don't sound like torture. Well, wait till it's hit you a million times. And it drives the person that's there being tortured literally crazy. And they're willing to tell anybody anything because a million times the water's hit them here, 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 here. What I'm telling you is if you're not careful, you can drive your husband batty and crazy by drip, 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 drip all the time. That's what the Bible says. Like I said, you're in a powerful position as a wife. You need to recognize that because if you're being disrespectful to him, one thing you do is put him in a lose-lose scenario. You know why it's a lose-lose scenario for a husband if you're being disrespectful to him in public? Because if he responds, it makes him look like he's been mean to you. Because he can say something back, just trying to defend himself, and you can start crying, and then he feels like the heel. So it's a lose-lose scenario for him. 
If you continue to disrespect him, you'll, you'll drive him away. Like I said, I'm not saying that it's right that it happens, but it can be inevitable. If you're just all the time being disrespectful, you might drive him away. In a third scenario that you might not think about a lot of times, but I think some of the women, if they'd be honest, would agree. If you disrespect him and you win all the time, you're all the time winning over him, do you get to the point that you can rule over him? You know what happens? You don't even have a desire for him anymore. You've lost your respect of him because you think, I've got him whipped. Now, you might not like to think about it in those terms, but I'm being honest with you. I've seen that happen in relationships. And some of you ladies probably, if you'd be honest, would agree you wouldn't be very interested in being married to a worm that you had whipped all the time about everything. It'd be okay for some ladies to say men. You see, God didn't create your husband to be a worm or to be a wuss. He created your husband to be a head underneath him to lead in a godly way in your home. He didn't create him to be a worm. And whether you recognize it or not, if you completely through being disrespectful and quarrelsome all the time destroy something in him to where he never ever defends himself and he just kind of lays down and dies, there's something inside your heart that dies for him too, whether you recognize it or not. You might think you've won, but you've lost the battle in the long run, the war in the long run, because you have killed in your own heart the desire for your husband because you've turned him into something undesirable for you as a woman. Now, all that's heavy stuff, isn't it? (laughs) And since we're human, guess what? We will disagree sometimes. Amen? So how do we do that in the right way? Because before we go to the second lady, I want us to talk just a minute about how to how to disagree respectfully. Because you're going to disagree. You're going to have some debates. You're going to have some differences of opinion. But there's a way to do it in the right way. Disagreeing respectfully kind of falls along at least three main categories I'm going to give you. One, and this is the preferable way to disagree respectfully, and that's where the husband and wife lovingly and patiently and prayerfully and scripturally work through whatever it is to where you come to a consensus, you come to a joint decision. By the way, the Bible says that the husband is to leave his father and mother and be married to his wife, and they become what? One. That means more than just sexually that means even in decision-making, God wants you two to be one. That's the preferable goal. The next thing that happens sometimes in disagreeing, sometimes you might have to bring in a third party. But if you do have to bring in a third party, can I give you some suggestions? Don't bring in your mother. Don't bring in your father. Guys, don't bring in your buddies. Ladies, don't bring in your friends. Don't bring in someone that you know up front has the same opinion that you do because that's called stacking the deck. If you really need third-party help, you need to find someone that you know will be neutral and biblical and try and give you the kind of advice that you need. So whether it be to get a pastor or a deacon or a small group leader or some friend that you really respect because you know that they 
love Jesus and they love God's word and they're going to put God first and be neutral in relationship and love and care for both of you and help you through it, that's the way you bring in a third party. The third one is the one the ladies may not like, but I think sometimes it has to happen. I don't think it ought to happen much. I think number one ought to happen most of the time. Amen? But sometimes you can't come to a decision. And sometimes a decision has to be made. And it may be that the man has to make the decision as the head of the household, as that responsible head underneath God, given that responsibility and accountability before God. And that's where the wife follows by submitting. It doesn't mean always that he's right. But when we're wrong, ladies, don't say, ha ha, I told you so, okay? But sometimes that may be the way you have to disagree respectfully to where a decision has to be made. And and sometimes you, you have to pray for the guy and hope he's making the right decision to go along with it and be supportive. So that's some signs, some indicators maybe of somebody being a, a disrespectful type of wife. Secondly, I want to close out by talking about this. What are some steps that you can take toward being a respectful wife? In this chapter in the book, uh, Grace Drisco, Mark's, uh, Mark's wife, talks about your head and your heart and your hands. So I'm going to use the exact same thing she talks about as our sub-points in this part of the, the message because your head, how you think about your husband is important, and your heart, how you feel about your husband is important. And your hands, what you do for your husband is important. And, and all three of those things are kind of linked together. Because what you think about your husband will affect how you feel about your husband. And how you feel about your husband will affect what you do for your husband. So start with, let's focus on the head, a, a head of respect. How, how do you think about your husband? I mean, evaluate that for a moment, ladies. Honestly, how do you think about your husband? Do you think of him in negative terms or hopeful terms? Do you think of, of your husband as, as in, in, in a negative way, maybe thinking, oh, I could have done so much better. I just, I wish I hadn't married him. Oh, he's such an idiot. Look at the stuff. You know, are, are you thinking like that? Or, or have you kind of written him off? Or, or do you think about him in some hopeful ways, some positive ways? See, some of you might be thinking, well, yeah, I, I think about him in some bad ways sometimes, but I would never, ever say it. Well, here's the deal with that. God knows what you're thinking. And if you're thinking it enough, it's going to crop out in your life, and your husband's going to know you're thinking it too, along with other people. Romans 12 talks about us conforming our, our, our mind, changing our mind. Not being conformed to the pattern of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of, of your mind. There in the first part of Romans chapter 12. So you, you could say that deals with repentance. That we need to kind of repent of how we're thinking. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind based upon God's will and God's word. We need to apply that to our life. So that kind of involves repentance. So, so for some of you ladies, you may need to possibly repent the way you're thinking about your husband. Because you have to think differently before you can feel differently. And before you can act differently, like I said, all three of those things are really kind of joined together a great deal. Your heart and your hands are affected by how you think about your husband. Things like he's an idiot. I could have done a lot better. I'm smarter than he is. 
I'm more godly than he is. If I were the head of the household, the things would be better. If I had it all to do over again, I definitely wouldn't pick him. He can't keep up with me. He's not as wise as me. He's not as nice as me. He's not as fun as me. He's not as dependable as me. He's not as hardworking as me. I deserve better. You know, those are all things that can hit your, your thinking process. So that being the case, how, how can you think better then about your husband? Let me try and give you some help there about how you can think better. First, I want you to look at something the Bible has to say here. There's some, some biblical ways, some biblical help in thinking correctly. Biblical help in thinking correctly. Next, next slide. Some biblical help for thinking correctly. Instead of thinking bad thoughts all the time, you need to think good thoughts. See, it's easy for us to think negative thoughts. I mean, that's true of men and women both, right? Easy for us to think bad thoughts. Easy for us to be critical. Easy for us to pick people apart. Look what the Bible says here. And once again, I, I'm going to keep saying this through this series, I recognize, people, that this passage of Scripture doesn't say, Wife, this is how you ought to think about your husband. But this verse talks about how you ought to think in general, and it's a principle you ought to also apply toward your husband. Or the husband even toward his wife. Paul writes these words. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now let me read back through that again and change it a little bit. Finally, wives, whatever is true, and you're trying to think about good things that are true, Whatever is honorable. I mean, if there's anything honorable in the dude at all, if there's anything that you see that's just there, anything pure, if there's anything lovely in the way he treats you in his life, is there anything commendable going on in your husband's life? Is there any excellence there? Is there anything there worthy of praise? He, he's telling you you need to think about those kinds of things and think about those thoughts. Those are the kind of thoughts we need to have. Instead of always having negative thoughts, we need to intentionally try and find good things to think about. And since we're applying this to the wives right now, that means that you need to try and look at him and see good things that are there instead of just seeing the bad things. And then the second step is do this, a practical Help in thinking correctly would be to journal your thoughts. As you think about your husband and you think of something that's lovely or you think of something that's commendable or you think of something that's worthy of praise, write it down. Man, I know we live in a day and time people don't carry notepads a lot anymore. You've got iPads and iPods and you know your phone and everything else under the sun. Well, however you try and keep notes, be thinking about your husband and try and think good things about him and write it down. Just through your day, stop and think through your day sometimes. What's something good instead of what's something bad? Think about good things about your husband and write it down. And then after you get some thoughts like that, stop and pray and thank God and say, God, I thank you for these things that I see in my husband. I thank you for these characteristics that I can identify in, in my husband. Write those things down and pray and thank God for it. But don't stop there. Let him know about it. Because whether you understand it or not, 
your husband needs to know that you think some good things about him. You need to share some encouraging things with him. Send him a text message or leave a note. I, I can't tell you how much I love to get a note from my wife that she's left behind. She kind of hid one the other day. I was getting ready to step in the shower before I saw it. She stuck it in this little basket where I put my, you know, my, my razor and deodorant and you know, different things like that. And I'm about to step in the shower and turn around and look, and there's a sticky note laying over there that says, I heart you, had the heart on it. And she can't do a lot because she, when she's at work during the daytime and stuff over at the elementary school, they're not supposed to have their phones out and stuff like that. But at lunch break and and, 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 you know, sometimes she'll send me a, a text message. And I, I, I cook a lot and I enjoy doing it and, and everything. But uh, she'll send me a message sometimes and, and thank me for, uh, for dinner the night before. And uh, guys fixing dinner can be a positive thing also. I, I sent her one back the other day, thank you for last night. That's none of your business what I went on. But try and think positive things about your, your spouse. Wives, try and think positive things about your husband. Things that are pure, things that are good, things that are, that are lovely, things that are commendable, things that are excellent, things that are worthy of praise. And, and share those things with him because he needs to know how you feel. He needs to know that you've identified something positive in his life because whether you realize it or not, at work and everything else out in the world, he's being bombarded by negative stuff all the time. And I told you earlier, your husband probably cares more about what you think than any other human being, humanly speaking. That's why he needs to hear from you that you're having some good thoughts. Not just a head of respect, but a heart of respect. Not just what you think about your husband, but how, how do you feel about your husband? If you're going to be a res respective type wife, to, to, to have respect for, for your husband. To be respectful toward him. You need to think the right thoughts, but then you need to, you need to feel the right things about your husband. And like I said, what you think affects how you feel. And by the way, what you say reveals how you feel too. You know why I said that? Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. <laughs> if all you've done is plug in negative stuff, critical stuff, bad stuff in your mind about your husband, guess what's going to pop out? Because out of the abundance of your heart, what you've been thinking gets into your heart. And out of the abundance of your heart, you're going to say some stuff. Whether you say it to him or other people, to your friends or, you know, in front of the kids or whatever, whatever you're putting in there is going to wind up coming out. There's disrespect in how you think about him. It will pop up in the things that you say about him. And if all you do is nag and gossip and be a busybody and... And, and maybe be part of the bitter brigade, sometimes better call the, the ladies' prayer circle. 
Now, I understand some ladies get together and they pray and they really pray. But you know what I have seen people do before? They get together and their prayer circle is a form of gossip. In your air and out stuff about your husband, just so you can talk about him in front of your friends. And can I tell you something? According to the Bible, that's gossip. Oh, no, it's prayer. No, it's gossip. If you do it and you have not talked to your husband, if you go and you bring prayer requests before your friends that are negative stuff about your husband and you have not gone and talked to your husband, it's gossip. How do you feel about your husband? What, what do you say about him around your friends? What do you say about him around the kids, around your children, if you have children? Oh, my husband's just an idiot. Did you see what your dad did now? You see, what you're doing, whether you know it or not, when you say negative things about your husband in front of the kids, is that you're breeding rebellion in their lives because the Bible says the children are to honor their father and their mother. So guys, this goes both ways. The wife or the husband, neither one ought to be talking about their spouse in front of the kids. Because you're going to lead them to be disobeying God's word by causing them to be disrespectful to them. Think about some of the things we've already talked about to evaluate whether or not you feel right about your husband. Are you quarrelsome all the time? I mean, if you are quarrelsome all the time, you're making your husband feel like every time he wants to talk to you, he has to prepare for warfare. And it's not a win-win situation. If you're going to be an emotional hurricane, every time he approaches you, if he's thinking, man, every time I bring this up, it's going to be a problem. I better choose my battles wisely. Then, then you've responded too often in the wrong way. If that's the way your husband feels. Are you loud? We've already talked about the volume a little bit, but sometimes just being loud, you know. Well, if I just increase my volume enough and, and whine enough and things like that, I'll, I'll get my way. Are you emotionally manipulative? In other words, as soon as the discussion starts going away, you don't want to go, you start crying and act like your feelings are hurt, and you're intentionally doing it. I'm not saying to minimize your feelings. If you really got hurt, it's fine to cry. But if you're crying in order to control the situation, you're being emotionally manipulative in a way you shouldn't be in the relationship. Are you a mocker? Have you ever mocked your husband? Maybe to somebody else? He's not around, you mocked him, and you know, let me tell you how stupid my husband is. Let me tell you what the dumb idiot did the other day. And you say, you think you're being funny in front of some of your friends, but the truth of the matter is, you think he's the idiot. You just said something in front of God, and God heard it, and you're the real idiot. Because you're approaching respect toward your husband in the wrong way. Because I was talking about hands of respect. All these things are linked together. You need to think right about your husband in order that you can feel right about your husband in order that you will do right toward your husband. What do you do for your husband? See, we read this verse to start with. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. And one huge way that I think men feel respected is not just in what you say. Words are easy, but it's in what you do. And ladies, that's a two-way street, isn't it? I mean, you, you the guys can say, I love you, and never do anything that looks like they love you, so it doesn't mean as much. Well, you know, the reverse of that is men are needing respect in their lives. God even said that we need it. That's why he tells you to respect your husband. 
And if you're not doing anything to show respect, it's easy just to say, oh, I respect you. It's easy to flatter. It's easy to blow smoke his way. It's altogether different in a tangible way, in a real way, to do something that makes him feel respected. He doesn't need you condemning him. Satan's doing a pretty good job of that. He doesn't need you being his enemy because there's a whole world out there if he's a Christian that's trying to be his enemy. And ladies, this might come as a surprise to you, but your husband does not need you to be his mother. And if you are his mother, it's going to ruin the way you feel about him, like I said earlier. So what maybe are some suggestions in how you and a in a biblical way, can help him. So I think he needs to hear things like this. Whether the man might admit it or not, we're probably dying inside sometimes to, to hear our wife say something like this. I'm here to help. I, I'm, I'm here to help you become more like Jesus. I'm here so that you can lead our family in the purposes of Jesus. I'm, I, I know you can't do it alone. I'm here to help. And I know some of you ladies are thinking, oh, that ought to be said for us. It should be. I understand that. You need more help from the guys. Their message was two weeks ago. Today's about you. It's not a derogatory thing for you to think of yourself as a helper. Genesis tells us that, that you're to be a, a helper. There was not a helper found for Adam. And that is not a derogatory term. That doesn't mean that God looks at you less than he looks at the man. Because in the Bible, we're told that God is our ever-present help. We're told in the Bible that God is our helper. We're told in the Bible the Holy Spirit comes to us as our helper. It's not a negative thing for you to be our helper. Because to be honest with you, the guys need help. I mean, I'm not trying to get you to laugh right now, but look around at us. We need help. Yeah, the guys are, you know, some of you guys that aren't married yet, you don't think you need help. I'm telling you, you need help. You just don't know it yet. You need a wife to tell you to quit picking your nose in public. We, we need help. But you can help us in, in ways that communicates value instead of being negative and looking down on us and things like that that, can, that helps us feel respected. Here's some suggestions, and then I'll close. First of all, you need to have hands that pray. Hands that pray. I appreciate it when some of you guys come and tell me that you pray for me. I hope you always do. But I think I covet my wife's prayers than anybody else that I know. And the reason you need to pray for your husband more, the more you pray for him, the less you're going to be negative and judgmental and condemning about him if you're praying for him. Hands that touch, and that doesn't mean just in a sexual way, but hands that touch. I mean, just in passing or acts of kindness. You can touch his life with acts of kindness. Hands that feed. It's been well said, hasn't it? The way to a man's heart is through his. And all the men said, Amen. Now, guys, I, I intentionally put this one in kind of for us based on our hobbies, but hands that hunt, 
hands that fish, hands that golf, hands that go to the game, hands, you know, I've got motorcycle on the mind lately, I guess you've realized that, since I enjoy riding one uh, now. But what I'm saying by all those statements is simply this, it will help your husband for you to be interested in some of the things that he's interested in. I've used Becky's illustration before in the reverse of this. She used to love to go, you know, to watch, you know, pottery being made or go where pottery was for sale. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, early on in our marriage and everything, I thought, oh, we got to go do that again. Like we're on vacation. But then I got to where I actually enjoyed it because she enjoyed it. And I really do enjoy it now. It'll help your husband for you in a practical way to be involved in his life and some things he's interested in. I'm sorry for this one, Becky, but I've got to tell it because it makes a point. But you know, I, I used to go hunting a lot and everything like that. Becky cared enough one time to get up and go hunting with me. We probably had to get up like 3.30 in the morning. We went all the way over to Sparta that morning. And you know, it was one of the few times she's actually gone hunting with me. And uh, God bless her, she got out with her pocketbook and things like that. And, and I took off in the woods with her pocketbook and, and, and stuff. So, you know, but, <laughs> but, but the thing about it, you know, I, I joke about that. You know, you know what blessed me? She cared enough to get up and go with me. We don't ever play golf anymore, but she's got a set of golf clubs. Reason I don't play golf a whole lot doesn't help me to be spiritual as your pastor. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you ever heard the term, want to make a preacher cuss? Uh, golf's not my game, you know. But when we were doing it, I enjoyed her going. Being interested in going to the game with you. I've been motorcycle up. You don't know what I bought Becky for Valentine's Day? As some of you read my Facebook. A helmet, because I, I want her to, you know, get comfortable and start riding with me and where we can go do things together. I'm sorry, Macy, I'm putting pressure on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Macy listed this week on Facebook that she got on Ken's motorcycle like for about the third time, and her mom in Texas is saying, you did what? <laughs> Yesterday, uh, she spent most of the day with me because I'm being a chaplain for a law enforcement motorcycle club called the, the Blue Knights for this year. They've asked me to do that, and uh, they had a meeting in Charlotte. We couldn't ride motorcycles there because of the weather, but we rode down there, and, and she went down there and probably didn't care a lot about what they were talking about or anything else while we were down there, but she went down there with me, and that's what mattered to me. So ladies, I'm just telling you, you can communicate some respect and value for your husband just by being interested in what he's interested in. And the last one, you need to have hands that open the Bible. If you're a Christian man, nothing should thrill you any more than seeing your wife care enough about the Word of God to sit and read it. And if you're a wife that has a husband that's not a Christian, you for sure need to be sitting around the house reading this. First church I pastored, man I think was about 76 years old, had never been saved. And his wife got burdened for him after I got there as a pastor. You know, really burdened. She had been burdened, but really burdened. And she started doing this. She started reading her Bible you know, every morning before she'd go off to work because she was still working. And he was retired already. And she would highlight things about it. And she would just kind of well, accidentally leave it where he's going to eat breakfast. 
few weeks of that, and he came looking for me and wanted to know how to receive Christ as a Savior. I don't think I've ever told her this, but I love to walk through our bedroom and see my wife with her Bible open. I'm guessing most of you wives, and, and guys, this is true of us too, so you all say amen here. Most of us right now are probably thinking, I've got room to grow or room to improve. Amen? Not just the ladies, but the guys. You know what we do? We all have room to grow. We're not there yet. Jesus hasn't come back yet and poof, we're like him yet, you know? So we all have room to grow. And some of you ladies this morning might be thinking, I, I've been a little bit like that disrespectful wife. I've kind of been disrespectful to God. Some of you might have put your husband before God, and you've been disrespectful to God and utterly disrespectful to your husband because you're not helping him to be all that God wants him to be. Some of you have been disrespectful by being loud and contentious, and, and it's always a quarrel and always an argument. And, and maybe you need to repent of that and ask God to help you with that this morning. Some of you are probably thinking that you need to have more of a, a head of respect. You need to be thinking good things about your husband and feeling good things from your heart about your husband and, and doing good things for your husband to communicate respect to him. And I can hear the excuses right now because as I say that, you need to think right and feel right and do right for your husband. There's probably some ladies here that are thinking, but you don't know, your, you don't know my husband. You know what? That's right. I don't. But guess what? God does and he knew long ago before he wrote these words in the Bible. And by the way, today is not about your husband. That was two weeks ago. Today is about you. So just maybe you need to ask God to help you think better and feel better and do better about your husband. Two weeks ago, I asked the men to stand by their wives and put their hands on their wives in a good way. We're going to do the reverse of it today. Any of you men that may be serving somewhere and your wife's sitting somewhere else, I, I want you to make your way to where your wife's at because we have some of our men that are greeters right now and need to move to get there. I'm going to ask my wife to come up here on the stage and join me. And if your husband's not here, and you're a wife, I want you to stand anyway. I want all the women to stand, all the wives to stand. If you're a wife, I want you to stand. If your husband's not here, I want you to pray for him wherever he is. If your husband is right there to where you can lay your hands on him in a good way. <laughs> will, you, will you place your hands upon your husband. And I'm going to ask Becky to lead in this prayer. And when you pray for your husband and pray for you to be what your husband needs and what God wants you to be in that relationship. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day and thank you for the freedom that we have to come to a place where we can hear your word, where we can know that it's the uh, will for your for our lives. We just pray that um, 
just help us to take all this that we've heard today and use it in our everyday life. We thank you for our husbands. Thank you for all that they do for us and with us. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll help us to think on these words all through the week and try and see what we need to change in our own lives as wives. And just pray that we would be the respectful wife that we should be. And just pray, Lord, that you would help us to have a head that thinks right about our husband, a heart that feels right about our husband, and hands that do right for our husbands. Just show us, Lord, things that, like I said, that we need to change in our lives. Not to be pointing the finger at our husbands and saying he does this wrong, he does that wrong. But Lord, instead to take a look within and see what we need to do and change in our life first. And help us to be the wives that we need to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The band's going to come and play. <clears throat> and as we have this, you know, quote, time of decision. It may be wise that you need to grab the husband and drag him out of the pew and come up here. And pray together. Pray about being better parents. Pray about being better in your marriage. You may have someone that you know of that's struggling right now in their marriage that you need to come and pray for. And potentially you don't even know Christ as your Savior. So can I make a really strong suggestion to you you can't even begin to be the wife that you need to be the lady that you need to be until you know Jesus and guys even though I spoke to the ladies today primarily if you're here and you don't know Christ as your savior no better time than right now because God loves you Jesus died on the cross for your sins and your only hope is through him and him alone by saying yes to Jesus trusting in him admitting you sinned admitting you can't do it Couples, maybe you need to admit that yourselves. You can't do it. You can't. I can't. And we need God to help us in our relationships. As John leads us, God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Dayton Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.